Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Mosaic Church. Stand with me if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up high. It's a great way to warm up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, I am, I'm very, 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 very excited. Uh, I, I just, uh, you know, your outlook on life, your attitude about life is not determined by the circumstances of life, but determined by how you respond to the circumstances of life. And throughout the last year, we've had great opportunity to kind of see who we really are. Um, you know, as much as I hate difficulty and don't go looking for trouble, sometimes trouble tells me who I really am. Difficulty tells me who I really am. It tells me what I really believe, what I really stand for. And uh, I know January every year people do messages on vision, goal setting, and all of those things. But as I was preparing and just taking a couple weeks to kind of figure out, God, what do you want me to say? I came up with this idea to talk about the end of the world. I know it's inspirational, and to me it really is, because the day's going to come where there's no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more disease, none of those things. And, and the very thing that Christians come to church for, which is to have a relationship with Jesus and ultimately go to heaven, when you start talking about heaven, you kind of watch people backtrack a little bit. Well, you know, hold on now. I'm thinking, bring it on, Jesus, anytime. We're good. And throughout the course of last year, of course, a lot of people, both Christians and non-Christians, began to at least entertain or explore heaven and hell. And, and, and because, you know, we saw bits of heaven, we saw bits of hell. I'm not sure which we saw most of, but we saw a little bit of both. And it kind of challenges us to start thinking more about eternity. And quite frankly, we should, but maybe not for the reasons you might be thinking. If we think about eternity and the reality of eternity, and we go, well, I'm good. I'm going to heaven. That's great. But who is and who is not going to heaven? And we have a role to play in that. So we can't just look at ourselves and go, eh, it's all good. The world's going to hell in a handbag, but I'm going to heaven. <laughs> if that's the way we think, we've really missed this great moment, this great opportunity, because people right now are hurting and asking questions and wondering, is, is this the beginning of the end? Because even non-Christians know enough about uh, Armageddon or enough about there being an Armageddon and the mark of the beast. And when you say that, people who don't even believe in Jesus have heard of it and they think about it. So guess what I'm saying is we really need to capitalize on the, the fear and uncertainty. Let's not get fearful with the fearful. Let's capitalize on it so you don't have to be afraid anymore. We know how it ends. We know. We've read the end of the book. And let me tell you something. We end up victorious. 
I got so excited. I told Sue, I said, I can't wait to preach this message. I love talking about heaven. I even love talking about hell because it exposes the one who reigns there. And so I want to expose the powers of darkness that many people say, well, you know, this thing's coming to a, a real fast finish. Well, all I care about with regards to the fast finish is, am I doing my part to help other people see Jesus in me? And over the holidays, had those opportunities to, to talk to people who were in the hardest people to reach, believe it or not, are not non-Christians. They're former Christians or Christians who question their Christianity because they know just enough about the Bible to be dangerous. And so what they really want to do is fight for their position to help everyone believe that, yeah, I believed or I believe, but, and all I say is when they ask me, because I'm, I'm the preacher, which I really don't like telling people that because that opens a real bag. And so over the holidays, that happened. There was a couple that, that we were talking to, and, and of course, they knew I was a preacher, so I just laid love on them heavy. They said, what do you think? I said, I, I think this. I think love never fails. And God so loved the world that he gave his only son, it's impossible to fail. Now, the challenge is this, that what happens with people who have been in church for a long time or religious people is you get to know God and you have this intimate relationship with the Lord and you know who he is, he knows who you are. And, and when you step away from that, because it gets, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be because I'm very comfortable in my relationship with the Lord. I know I'm going to heaven. I know there are people who don't want me there, but they don't get to vote. But I'm going. And so you just better pray you don't live on the same street as me because I'm knocking on your door at 6 a.m. every morning saying, let's take a run. But, but the reality is that, that people right now are, are in this incredible state of flux. And, and what they start doing when you get comfortable is you start relying on how good you are and forgetting how good God is. I can't go to heaven because I'm good. I'm not going to get to go to heaven because I have a great week or a great year. I get to go to heaven for one reason, one only, is I put my faith in Jesus, repented of my sin, and now I get to go to heaven. I'm really excited about it. Uh, and I just, I mean, I'm not like, you know, trying to die today or anything. But, but there, there should be no fear in our lives. We ought to be living life to the full. In the worst of conditions, we serve the best God that anybody could ever hope for, the only true God. And so the big question that, that people have is, and nowadays they're starting this push, it's called universalism, which is, well, everybody's going to heaven, they just don't know it. Well, that's the biggest farce ever. And, and, and there are actually Christians who have bought into this. A very, very dear friend of mine and a renowned minister back in the 90s, and he's still my friend, but, and he's a great preacher, great, very talented, very skilled, built a huge church. And, and his grandfather died, and he was really close to his family. And when his grandfather passed, he had never recalled whether his grandfather had ever accepted Christ or not. Nobody could come up with a time, or he never said it. And so my friend began to hurt and think, the only way I can reconcile this or appease the pain or kill the pain is to say, well, you know, my grandfather was a good man, and he's probably in heaven. When in reality, he knew only those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I'm not trying to be mean today. I'm not trying to divide anything. I'm just simply saying this, that if we don't tell that truth, we are doing people a disservice and dishonoring God because he told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. 
And so what happened with my friend was he started believing everybody's going to heaven. They just don't know it. And I sat down with him and said, how can you, how can you do that? There are at least two passages of Scripture that are very clear. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except by me. That's number one. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's number two. So without the faith in Jesus that we need and calling on his name, we need to realize we've made a decision. So if, if this were my last day on earth, I could ask myself the question, how would I want to live it? And I can answer that very simply, the way I live every day. Because this last day doesn't mean any more to me than yesterday. Because I'm living my life to follow Jesus. Am I perfect? Not even close. And do not talk to my wife in the lobby after service. Because she can give you details about my imperfections. But we're not called to do that. We're called to build each other up. We're called to love each other. We're called to encourage one another. We're called to provoke one another to good work. So this year, if I, could, if I could challenge us, not with what are you setting your goals, what do you want to become, do you want a promotion, I want to start this year saying, how many people would you like to touch with the gospel of Jesus Christ this year? Not how many people you want to bring into the kingdom because that's not our role. Our role is a messenger. It's God's role to convert their heart. So how many people do I want to touch this year? And I need that, that needs to be my primary goal because God's got me in the palm of his hand. If we delight ourselves in the Lord, he says he'll give us the desires of our heart. So God already knows my heart. I know his heart. And my heart is for his heart. And whatever he wants for me to be or do or whatever, that's what I want. I don't want anything more. I don't want anything less. And some people say, well, I need more money. I need a better job. If you did, you'd have it. Because he said, I'll meet all your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So whenever I start thinking, God, I really need this, God says, really? You think if you really needed it that I wouldn't have already given it to you? See, the greatest frustration in Christianity and the faith is that God's not meeting our standards instead of us not meeting His. My greater concern is that I'm meeting the standards of God, not is He meeting my standards. Because let me tell you something, I got a lot of wants that He ain't scratched the surface on yet. You notice I said wants, not needs. And there is a big difference. There are things I want that I don't need because if I needed them, I'd already have them. It doesn't minimize my prayer life. God, here's what I want. Could you help me out? Can we convert that into a need, God? So if you would, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. And then uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. And then Philippians chapter 3. This is a Bible day. I know that, you know, in a world that, that, that in Christianity, that, 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 you know, in some spaces and places, the Bible has been not used a lot. I want to use it a lot today. Matthew 24 says, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. That's number one. Watch out that no one deceives you. Well, how can somebody deceive you? Well, you know, everybody's going to heaven. It's all right. They just don't know it, and we'll all be up there together. I wish that were true. I really do, kind of, maybe. Well, I mean, I, I'm torn because I want everybody to go to heaven, but if people don't convert here on earth to accept Christ, they're going to raise hell in heaven. And I don't want any hell in heaven. I've had enough on earth. I'm done with the drama mama. You know what I'm saying? I'm done. So I just, I'm just going to be happy, and if someone wants to have their... I'm just going to smile and say, you know, God is love. I love you. God loves you. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's a great way to irritate people right into the kingdom. But don't be deceived. 
listen to what it says. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Sound familiar? But see to it that you're not alarmed. Now, I underlined that. It's in a different color on my notes. See to it that you're not alarmed. Think about it this way. The thing that we would say the worst thing is, is that we would lose our life. That's not the worst thing. The worst thing is that we would lose our relationship with Jesus. That's the worst thing. Me losing my life, I just get to go to heaven and leave all the bills to Susan. That's the worst thing. And, and God bless her, and I know when she gets to heaven, she'll tell me about it. But I know that the worst thing for me is not that I would pass or die or that it would be the end of the world. That's not the worst thing. The worst thing is that I would walk in disobedience to God, disregard His plan for my life, use excuses and the criticism of others to prevent me from being who God called me to be. That's the worst thing. Dying is not the worst thing. The end of the world is not the worst thing. I'm trying to make you happy. I'm preaching it as happy as I can. But I just thought, you know, I want to start this year putting things in proper perspective because the reality is if we touch people with Jesus Christ, everything else will be fine. But if I try to create systems and goals and vision planning and I do all of those things in my mind that have no eternal or spiritual value, it's a waste of time. Well, I could tell you, here's what we want to do. Here's how we want to grow. Here's how many small groups we want to have. I could do all those things. There wouldn't be anything sinful about it. But is it the most powerful thing we need to start out 2021? Absolutely not. What we need to realize is we are all surrounded by people looking for Jesus. And the question is, what are we doing to talk about Jesus in a way that will make him so attractive they can't walk away? Dustin, it sounds like we're at a golf match. No, I, I'm lit up because I've realized the opportunities God has given me over the, even the, la the end of the year, as we've gone through everything we've gone through, what a year. And you know what? I'm not going to refer to it all the time, but I want to use it as an example of what happens when grown-ups don't get their way. One of the first places I went to preach, I used to do a lot of street ministry. I preached in the heart of Hell's Kitchen uh, on a stoop in New York City. Then I found myself at the Mardi Gras. I was so passionate about telling people about Jesus. I'd just go to all these places, and I'll never forget when I went to Mardi Gras, I was down there to, to preach. Me and one other guy went down, and, and we were just telling people about Jesus. And I asked one of the locals, I said, tell me a little bit about Mardi Gras. I said, well, what does it really mean to y'all down here? And she said this. She said, it's when, when adults or grown-ups can act like children and there are no consequences. And I thought, well, there you have it. I'm not going back. Jesus sent somebody else to preach to this mess. But it was a mess. And I realized that, that, that adults are confused. They have no instruction and, and, and they haven't been taught. And let me tell you what they've been taught. They've been taught a list of do's and don'ts, and if you're really good, you get to go to heaven. And, and, and you know what? Most of us would realize after a day, maybe a week if you're really a narcissist, that you can't be good enough to go to heaven. So people make up excuses. So let me read just a, a couple of things to you. Number one, there's, number one lie is there is no heaven or hell. 
if, there, if you can sell yourself on that, that there is no heaven or hell, then, then you begin to think, when I die, it's just the end. And, and that's exactly one of the things the devil wants us to believe. Everyone spends eternity in one of these two places. Jesus spoke about heaven, hell, and eternity many times. So if, if I can just, it's, it's like out of sight, out of mind, out of conversation, forget it. And, and that's what's happened in our world. Is it's not so much that Christians have wavered in their faith. They've just stopped sharing their faith. And, and I know that, I know Christians, well, I love God with everything in me. Does anybody know you love God with everything in you? And it's not about showcasing you. It's about showcasing Him and letting people know that without Him, there is no hope of heaven. So if I could put anything on the, the agenda of Mosaic Church OKC today, it would be, church, let's do this this year. Let's touch people in a way that they would know it's supernatural, it's not natural, that we have an expression. And the challenge in the religious world or the Christian world has always been this. We all agree on the same experience. I mean, Nazarene, Baptist, Methodist, all the churches believe that Jesus is the Son of God, died on the cross for the sins of mankind, rose from the dead, ascended to the right hand of God, and He's returning. That's never really the big argument. The big argument is our expression, not our experience. And many of the people who've had an experience have no expression. People ought to at least be able to look at your countenance and go, something's different. When you're smiling in hell and you're just strolling and you're not running in chaos. Why are you acting this way? The world's going to hell. Yeah, but I'm not. <laughs> See, I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't care about the world system. I care about the people in the world. But the fact that this ball that we're on is going to burn up someday, I care less. I don't have an emotional attachment to this. Why? Because Philippians 3 says, I'm not a citizen of this place. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a foreigner here. You're a foreigner. If you believe in Jesus, you're a foreigner. The second lie is good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. There are going to be some bad people in heaven. But they'll be redeemed and renewed. And when I say bad people, let me, let me rephrase that. There are good people who do bad things, and there are bad people who do good things. Thank God we're not measured by our doing. We're measured by His doing, which brought to us our undoing. I needed to be undone, and He needed to take over. And, you know, the, the reality is that if, if in our minds we can convince ourselves that that God doesn't exist, there is no heaven or hell, and if we can convince ourselves that we're all exactly the same, and we are the same in this regard, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all the same. But after that, we're not all the same. The people who have not accepted Christ are not the same. When I did not know Him, I was not the same as those who knew Him. I was on a mission of my own. And if I could get us as Mosaic Church, listen to me. People don't come to church because of fancy marketing techniques. If they do, they leave when they stop. 
People come to church because of people like us who love them, invite them, and tell them you've got a safe place to come to Mosaic Church, Oklahoma City. And when I say safe, that means we're going to love you. We're not asking you to cut your hair, change your holy jeans. We'll ask you to use underarm deodorant. <laughs> kind of kidding, but it helps. <laughs> but we're not judging people. We're not here to critique people. We're here to love people, touch people, and give an expression of our love for God that makes them hungry for the love that we have. And there is a reason that in the Gospels, Jesus refers to himself as the shepherd. You see, cattle are driven, sheep are led. We don't drive people into heaven. We lead people into heaven. We love people into heaven. And as much as a couple of my millennials don't like this, I believe everything that's happening today is a setup by God. I'm not saying he causes it, but it is a setup. It's inevitable. If you've read the Bible, it is inevitable that Jesus will return. And I smile when I think about it. I am so excited that through all of my life, all the good things and the bad things, he's never left me and he's never forsaken me. I am so grateful because if I would have been him, I would have left me like a million and one times. I I would have forsaken me. I would have said, you're such a goober. But God says, my love for you never changes. And I'm always here. And I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. So does it really matter if you ask the question, is this the end? And I've heard this. Could this be the end of the world? Well, when my millennials, I, I said, you know, here's where we're at. We've never been at a place that we're at right now in the history of of the world. We've never been here. Everything is in place in one second to fulfill Bible prophecy. Everything that's going on in Israel, and I'll, I'll share some of that in a moment. Everything that's going on in Israel right now, it is very important for us to understand some of the recent events that have happened and how important they were, Move, the moving of things in, 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 in Israel, the temple, the Jerusalem, all those things that have happened are a big deal. Now, most people didn't see it as a big deal, but they're a big deal because God's setting everything up for what he said he would do. So when, when I see this, I'm, I'm not like, I don't want to get excited about people getting hurt or violence, none of that. that doesn't. But what excites me is this, is that I can actually for the first time in my life see things lining up to my understanding at least. And when I tell my millennials, we now have the capacity, because they do it in dogs and animals all the time, to put a chip in, and I know where that animal is at all times. Come on, church. You know where I'm going. Now, when I say this, I don't want to scare you. That's not the point here. The, the point is to encourage you to understand that everything that happens, it was, it was like when Jesus came and he was on earth. Everything that happened was building toward the time he would be crucified, including Judas Iscariot, which I have a whole message on that that I can't preach today. It would be very controversial because some people think Judas is in hell and maybe 
But, but my thoughts are Judas had to play his role to get Jesus to his role. So what kind of God would not go back and say, now, Judas, you did this, but it's just food for thought. Don't get mad at me. Come back next week. Pray. Because if you leave over that, you're really not smart. Okay, so I'm just saying. If where we spend eternity depended on actions, listen to this, on the actions in our lives, none of us would go to heaven and all of us would go to hell. That makes me feel good. Because there are some people I look and go, I think you'd go to heaven even without Jesus. They're just really nice people. I'm not one of them, but I know people. (laughs) I don't know why. Type A people understand what I'm talking about right now. We just look at it in the mirror and go, why God? And then we console ourselves by saying, because nothing would get done if it wasn't for us. So we lie again. But here recently, I've had the opportunity, and it just kind of got my attention, because, you know, we had all the stay-at-home, quarantine, all those things. And finally, when things kind of opened up again, I found myself having conversations with people about Jesus, about God, about church, that it just kind of, I woke up one day and I went, wow, there really is a curiosity as a result of the chaos. Could it be that God is allowing the chaos so that we can have conversations we would never have without it? Because that's what happened when Jesus was walking the earth. There was chaos everywhere, and Jesus used every chaotic moment as an opportunity to share what was about to happen. And I'm going to tell you, when people see your confidence... See, Christianity does require a visible confidence for people to believe that what we believe is really real. If you're questioning God, they're going to keep questioning God. If you're questioning eternity, if you're questioning heaven or hell, they will continue to question it. But if you have a certainty that I have called on the name of the Lord, I am saved. Now, there are days I don't act saved. Those days really bother me. So, God, I didn't really represent you that well today. I know that. I hope it doesn't go a week, but I've probably had weeks where I went, boy, that, if we could throw that one out, God, could you drop the low grade? But then I wake up and I go, this is not about me. It's about him. And if this is the end, i got to tell you all something. If you're a believer, you have a fast pass. It's a nonstop flight from here to eternity. In the twinkling of an eye. Now, see, I can get excited about this and I can, I can smile about it and stay happy about it. When I was lost and not even, I didn't care about God or the church. I hated the church, hated the people who went to church, would drive by the church at 6 a.m. after being out all night throwing parties. And I'd drive by the church and I'd say, look at those hypocrites. When in reality, it was me that was a hypocrite. They weren't the hypocrite, it was me. But what I, what I hated was <coughs> I knew enough that they were right and I was wrong and that bothered me. But what really bothered me more than anything was that where I attended, they expected you to act like them, 
dress like them, and be like them. And basically what they were telling me without knowing it was, we get to determine whether you get to go to heaven or hell. And then I woke up one day and really had an encounter with Jesus, and I thought, I don't really care what you think. And he doesn't either, because this is between me and him. Nobody knows my heart but him. Nobody. Nobody knows your heart but him. And so when I think about the end of the world, and I think, could this be the beginning of the end? Because right now, we have the chips in place. We have the technology in place. Everything's right there. But let me tell you what's holding it all back. Believers who are praying for lost people to know Jesus Christ. I know it may sound foolish in a world, in a day where we're all trying to accumulate more and get more and be more and do more and looking for promotion when in the reality is we only exist and live to worship Him and give expression to the experience we've had so that others may know Him. Now, in the meantime, He lets us enjoy life and all that He's created, but the reality is that's not why we're here. I'm not, I'm not here to drive fast, though I love to. And, and I do exceed the speed limit, and I know real religious people, are, are, they're going to condemn me to hell for that. I, I don't want to, but like Paul, I, why do I do the things I don't want to and don't do the things I want to? And when it comes to driving, I don't know. We all have that Paul moment. Why don't I do the things I want to do? We all have that. And so what I want to encourage us with is this is that every moment we have, we should enjoy life. The problems in life are not our problem. The problems in life are not it. It's our response to the problems that are the problem. So if you have a problem, if you really know, you turn to God and say, it's going to be all right. And there are times you have to convince yourself, and there are times you feel like you're even lying to yourself. How can they be okay? Because God can take a horrible moment and turn it into an awesome moment in one moment. If we give opportunity. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Listen to this. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Everything points to God touching us and us touching others. God comforting us, us comforting others. It's so easy to become self-absorbed in times of crisis, thinking I've got to preserve what I have. And we start turning inward and focusing, and isolation is the worst thing that Christians can experience that's not eternal but contributes to eternity. It's proven that people who have other people in their lives, I even did research one time on people who are married living longer than people who are single. Now, if you're single, don't get mad at me. I know I'm leaving the church, Pastor, said I can't. I'm not going to be as good. I'm not going to live as long. I didn't tell you to go get married. I'm just saying. The Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as you see the end drawing near. Why? Because we need to encourage one another. We need to speak life into one another. When someone's down, and have you ever tried to speak life into someone they get mad at you because you did because they want you to get down in the pit with them and wallow? Yeah. 
This is real. I know it's real. I'm trying to get you out of your pit. No, come down with me and be with the pigs. I don't want to get down in the pit with you. I got a water hose up here waiting to wash your stinky self off. Come up out of that pit. No, I want you, I want you to be in misery with me. I ain't getting in misery with you. I love you. I'm sensitive to you. I'm compassionate. And I, I'm going to comfort you with this. Get out the pit. You don't have to stay in the pit. You think it's the end of the world? No, it's just the end of the pit. So that we can comfort those in any trouble, trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So lie number one, there's no heaven or hell. Lie number two, good people go to heaven. Bad people go to hell. Number three is in here somewhere. You have to understand, I, I do a lot. Oh, there it is. And this one is the big one. This is the one I was talking about. There is a heaven, but there is no hell. That's the big lie. And I heard a universalist explain it this way. And I'm going to answer the question, and I'm going to close for the first time. Because I don't want you to think I lied. Because if I go to the second closing, you'll say he said. So this is the first closing. The great lie is hell doesn't exist. Well... Yeah, I, I had a person tell me this one time, another person. And I went, well, that negates quite a bit of Scripture right there. Because Jesus sorted it out very clearly. And the, that what they told me was, they said, well, how can a good God send anybody to hell? I said, he doesn't. They choose to go there. It's a free will. All God does is sort it out. He doesn't send them there. They send themselves there. I said, what you have to understand is everybody has a chance to hear the gospel and repent. All of us. And when they don't, God already told them what would happen. The Word tells us what will happen. So I said, if you're going to blame people going to hell on God, you, don't, you haven't read the Bible. God's, not, God's told everybody, if you call on my name, you'll be saved. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him with you, you'll be saved. Why is that in the Bible if everybody's going? Now, trust me, I'm not excited that anybody's going to hell, but here's what I am excited about. Is that in 2021, we're going to have the opportunity, possibly, to reach more people than we've ever reached. And here's the challenge with that. Shut up about politics, because politics is not what this whole thing's about. We've made it about something it's not about at all. I mean... White House, outhouse, God's house. I'm going with God's house. That's what I'm going with. And people want to argue with me, they ain't going to get an argument. I'm just going to look and say, hey, hey, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And just smile, that really makes them mad. We'll see. I just know this, that God is still in charge. And I'm just going to let him be in charge. 
I'm going to love people. I'm just going to have grace and mercy on people, but I'm going to tell them, Jesus loves you so much. If he loves me so much, I love him. You ever had people like that? Well, if he would not be me. Think of, what do you know? You're questioning the creator of heaven and earth. All I know is this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I didn't send my son into the world, condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. God gives us every indicator that his desire is to have a relationship with the worst person on earth. And we don't know who that is. Some of you think it's your spouse, but it's probably not. I mean, it's possible, but I doubt it. I'm just saying, if you could think of the worst person, I mean, in your mind, you could play it out. I, I can go a lot of different directions with that and go, these are really bad people. But then I go, but you know what? At the end of the day, listen to this. At the end of the day, I'm no better than they are. I know better than the worst person. Paul himself said, I'm the worst of all sinners. The apostle who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, I'm the worst of all. And when you believe that, you will no longer judge people. I always have to keep in mind, I am as bad or worse than the person I want to judge or criticize. You say, no, you're not. You're a good person. No, we're all born sinners. And the only hope I have is Jesus Christ. And when, when you treat people that way and, and they know you're a Christian and you can say something like that, it brings them in to say, you mean God could love the worst of all mankind? God could love me because that was my fight. How could God love me? I knew I could love God. But I couldn't figure out how in the world God could love me. And there are days I still feel that way. God, how can you love this person? But then I realized and I finally matured and I quit measuring life by all the things I've done and measure my life by the one thing he did or the two things he did. He came to earth. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead. And the third thing is he's going to come back and get me. And I hope to be on a bus full of my critics. Wouldn't that be fun? You're on the way to heaven, and they're looking and saying, hey, how are you getting here? Same way you're getting here, sucker. <laughs> we confess Jesus. What part of that didn't you get? And you're going to be on the first floor in heaven. I'm going to be on the second, and I'm going to dance and worship to him all night long. <laughs> you know... We, uh, we get to choose. And I know that if I would have heard this message in June of 1977, I would have been scared to death. Even using the words, end of the world, scares a lot of people to death. I did it on purpose. Actually, it's Susan's fault. She knew what I was preaching on. She said, why don't we do a post? And I went, Okay. And people are going, I wonder what this is going to be about. And I think a lot of people may have thought that this was going to be a, a gloom and doom, but really it's, it's not. To me, our lives, if you just think about it and ask yourself this question, and I, then I'm going to close a second time. Do you know, do you have a relationship? Do you know anyone in your sphere of influence that does not know God? I hope you answer, yeah. As a matter of fact, I hope you say there are more than I can count. But if you don't have a lost friend or you're not around someone who's lost, we need to start a class for you and bring a lot of lost people in by design 
and introduce you to them so you'll know how to interact with them. And when I say lost, people who aren't followers of Christ, people who are still questioning what eternity is about, and is this the end? And the reason I say this, listen to me, there's nothing more rewarding than loving someone into the kingdom of God. I have yet to experience one thing, including watching my children be born, that excited me more than seeing someone say, would you pray for me? I'm not a Christian. Because that moment is childbirth into the kingdom of God. And that childbirth is everlasting and eternal. All of my children will pass just like I do. They'll pass this way someday. But when you lead someone and give birth to Christ in them and they are born again, that moment is the only birth that will ever happen that will last forever. So church, let me say this. We went through COVID. We went through 2020. And I see a decent crowd here today for where we are. But let me say this to all of us. And I'm going to say it as politely as I can. And just so you'll know, I've had COVID. But I didn't take out an ad in the newspaper. I know it's real. I've never discounted its realness. But in the midst of all of it, I flew every week almost because that's what I, <clears throat> what I needed to do. And the reason I share this with you is this. And please do not be offended, but please be challenged. You're going to have to get out of your house someday. You're going to have to re-enter the world someday. And I'm suggesting that, yes, you be smart. If you're vulnerable, I get it. Please don't get mad at me. I understand there are people who are vulnerable and that respond or react differently to this horrid virus. I'm not discounting that, but listen to me. Don't be afraid. If you know Jesus, there is nothing to fear. I've had friends that I've, I've, uh, a friend of mine lost his father. He was about my age, and, and I get it. But I don't make my decisions based on what has happened to someone else. I make my decision on what happened to Jesus. And I realize that I'm going to die someday. You're going to die someday. We're, we're, going, to, we're going to experience the end. But here's the deal. Live until you die. Live until you die. Now, you have to de describe that, define that. I can't do that for you, but I can say this. That fear is a horrible dictator. The Bible says he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. I am fully expecting that song that talked about revival. I'm expecting that. I've always told people, God will never be outdone. And I'm going to tell you right now, before this whole thing wraps up and the end comes, I can tell you right now, there will be a revival second to none that will outdo all revivals throughout the world, throughout history. There will be the biggest celebration of God and His people, and the world will not be able to deny it. And the reason for that is God's not rubbing it in their face. God is saying, this is your final invitation. I want you to come to the party. I want you to come. 
Mosaic Church, Oklahoma City, in the natural, would be one of the last churches in the city, naturally speaking, that we could expect this to happen. But God is so God, and he loves me so much, and he loves you so much, that God wants to show himself as the redeemer that he is. The world has watched churches go ahead and kill their own in the name of protection. When in reality, God took people like Peter, Paul, and Mary. Ear cutters, accessories to murder, and a little teenage girl that knew nothing. And he said, if you'll believe me, everything will be all right. I don't care what you've done. Because what you've done cannot compare to what he's done. And never will. He took it all. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your only son. Your only son. Your one and only son. So that eternity, glorious eternity, would be available to us. Jesus, I don't want to just worship you so I can go to heaven. I worship you because you've made heaven available to all people. You've not shown favoritism because your word says you won't. You love us all the same, the good, the bad, the ugly. But many people can't see through their own fear, their own ugly, their own behavior to your beauty into your love so my prayer for mosaic church in 2021 is that we would touch people spiritually mentally emotionally with the love and the grace and the mercy that we have been shown lord we could ask you to grow this church to thousands and you could do that and you'd probably answer our prayer but lord i'd rather you touch people and as a result of touching them your church would grow so, Lord, help us to not worship our experience, but to give expression to that experience that you've changed our lives. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray a prayer of repentance that we all pray together, not just those who have yet to receive Christ or those who've walked away from Him, but that we all pray this prayer together with those who are saying, Today, if this were the end of the world, I want to make sure that I'm ready for that. If it was, I want to make sure that I'm ready for that. Heaven is real. And Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might be also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. So he went to prepare a place. Now we need to be prepared for what he has prepared. So let's all pray this prayer together. And those of you watching online, pray this with me. Right where you're at, you're getting ready to change forever. Right now you're watching this. And you don't know why you keep watching it. And you kept watching it for this moment. Because God has a plan for your life. That you cannot imagine. And that your parents told you was not possible. 
and you've been waiting and wanting and longing and depressed because it's not something you've been able to see. But today, God's going to pull the veil off your eyes. And as I pray and you pray, God's going to remove that veil and you're going to begin to see the dream that God put in your heart. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today, I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I confess with my mouth, you are the Lord of my life, my Savior, my King, and my friend. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time or to rededicate your life, please text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. 405-500-1310. Let us know and put your name in there, SAVED in your name, because let me tell you something. You might have been going to hell before today, but having prayed that prayer, I promise you, construction workers began work on your house in heaven. Jesus said, my father's house for many mansions. They're building it for you. So text us and let us know. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or join us online. God bless you.